All right, if you have your Bibles, turn over to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, because today we're going to get into the Word of God. And we're going to start a series called Fan, Fanatic, or Follower. And it just seemed right with me and the Holy Ghost, we come and hit this thing, especially after we've all had some opportunities on these uh, Saturday home games to see these things come to pass or see athletics, to see things take place. And we understand, I love, this is what I love about college football in the United States of America, is that there's such great types and shadows. You know, when Jesus walked on the planet, he said things like this. He said, the kingdom of God is like a man who took a dragon net and threw it out into the water and drug up some fish. You know why he did that? Because there were fishermen back then. They did that. Then he said this. He said, the kingdom of God is like a, a man who went and planted seed. And some, you know, fell on the wayside. Some fell among the rocks. Some fell in the thorns, but some was in good ground. And then he talks a little bit about it right? Well, why? Because there was a lot of farmers back then. Well, you know, in our society right now, we say the kingdom of God is like college game day on Saturday. Amen. Well, we can do some types and shadows that we can find from biblical principles so that we can say, okay, the, the world does this. How does this relate to us in the kingdom of God? Well, well, could you agree with me today that there's probably some fans for college football? I mean, would you maybe conclude there are some fanatics? I mean, could you conclude there's probably some people that follow, they're followers of these uh, um, college campuses and their athletic programs? Sure. So if we define these, so fan literally means this, as an enthusiastic devotee, usually as a spectator, an ardent admirer or enthusiast. So they're enthusiastic. They're devoted, enthusiastic uh, devotee. You know, there's a little bit about them that begins to show up. You know, they have some kind of connection with the team, and it can be uh, aware. You can become aware of it. All right. But then there goes another level and it's called a fanatic. Now a fanatic, this person is marked by excessive enthusiasm. They're not just enthusiastic, but there's excessive enthusiasm. Okay. Um, and author and, and, uh, and often intense, uncritical devotion, meaning they are devoted without actually examining I mean, they're just there, period. If something's not right with the school, doesn't matter. They'll overlook it because I am right here devoted to this thing. You know what? If it wasn't the right call, right thing, I'm still dedicated. And they're excessive in their enthusiasm. But, you know, there's a step beyond a fanatic, and that is a follower. Now, a follower is someone who supports and is guided by another person. It's one that imitates another I mean, these people who become a follower of something, they are all in people in every aspect of their life. And for the next three weeks, we're going to break down each one of these particular types, whether it's a fan, a fanatic, or follower, and we're going to do it in a type and shadow of the kingdom of God. We're going to show you exactly how a fan is in the realm of collegiate sports, but how does that translate when it comes to following Jesus? Because could it be that even here today, some people are just fans of Jesus? Could it be that maybe we have a few fanatics for Jesus? But we all should aspire. In fact, Jesus requires that we become followers of Jesus. And there is a difference. I said there is a difference. And so we want to look at this. How do I know God wants us to be a follower? Well, first and foremost, we have to understand the Bible is about a king, his kingdom, and his royal offspring. 
And we know that God has this passion with man because in Genesis 1:26 he said this, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let him have dominion or rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, over, uh, uh, over all the cattle, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, over all the earth. So man was to rule in this seen realm called planet earth by the spirit of God. God himself came down in the cool of the day and would talk to man, would spend time. Adam didn't walk around eat, uh, uh, eat in the Garden of Eden saying, man, I just wish I could go to heaven and see God because God came down all the time. He spoke with him. The environment of earth was without sin at all. It was amazing, an amazing environment that God would come and spend time and hang out with and, sp and spend time with and talk and fellowship with and give instruction and communicate it. And in one of those encounters, he said, now, Adam, you can eat from any tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for the day you eat, you will surely die. die. And that brings up this question that we would have to ask if Adam had never eaten the fruit, where would he be today? He wouldn't be in heaven. He'd be right here. However many years that is. Amen. And he wasn't trying to go somewhere because God was always here. Hallelujah. But unfortunately, he fell from dominion and not heaven. And as a result of that, man now lives in a condition that God never intended man to have to live. And, but he makes provision. He says, listen, when man fell from dominion, because, and this is the question we asked yesterday. Pastor Roddy asked yesterday, same question. When God came in the garden and said, Adam, where are you? It's the same question God's asking man today. Where are you at? Now, it's not that he can't find him because you're nowhere that you can't be found. It means you're out of position. See, he was in a position of dominion, but when he went against God's word, he fell out of dominion. And he's like, now where are you at? Right? And that's the same question we're asking people today. Where are you at? Because you sure are not in the position God originally ordained for you. He wanted you to be above and not beneath. He wanted you to be the head, not the tail. He wanted you to overcome every conflict and circumstance and situation. He wanted you to always live victorious. That's always his desire. He never wanted you to be underneath, beat down, uh, fallen in a place where there was no hope. And so when he says, man, now I'm going to have to come myself. I'm going to put my seed in a man. And he is going to crush the head of the devil. The devil will bruise his heel, but he'll crush his head. And all who will call on his name will be born again or born from above or be restored to the dominion Adam lost. Hallelujah. That's why Jesus was passionate and said, now listen, when you get born again, this ain't about you coming to me. Being born again gives me a right to come to you. This ain't about an exit strategy. This is about an empowering strategy. This is about me coming to you now. This is not about, hey, I heard that. We good. Now, when you die, you'll be with me. It's going to be tough. It's going to be rough. I mean, you're going to get picked on, going to get beat on, going to be pushed around. But you just remember, when you die, you're with me. That is not what Jesus brought. That's not even, that's not the good news. The good news is that Jesus said, go ahead and, and make me Lord, and I'm going to get down on the inside of you. I'm going to put my spirit in you. I'm going to make you a new spirit. I'm going to give you power. I'm going to talk with you right now. We're going to bring heaven to earth. And we know this was Jesus' desire, for he said, when you pray, pray this way.
father. Whose father? Not his daddy, but your daddy. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom, your will be on as. So he ain't waiting for you to die to get to him. He's not up there going, man, I sure wish they'd get up here. I'll be so glad when the family comes together. He's like, that's my family down there. That's my family down there. And what devil in hell would be able to come against my family down there? Amen. He's like, turn me loose. I'm going to send my word. Hear what the Spirit's saying and act on that word and watch what the family would do while you're down there. Hallelujah. Man, we are a conquering bunch. I said, we're a conquering bunch. So God desired that he would cause his word to come alive in us so we would follow it. And Jesus literally says this, listen, if you want to be with me, you're going to have to love me with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Love me with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. That's the three parts of a human being. Spirit, soul, and body. You got to give it all. I said you got to give it all. You got to give it all. Jesus said, man, if a man won't lose his life for my sake, he will lose it. If he tries to hold on to his life, he's going to lose it. But if he lays down his life, if he gives it up for my, he'll truly live. So this is an all-in thing. Say, it's an all-in thing. God wants you to be all-in with this. He wants followers only. He's not looking for fans, nor is he looking for fanatics, but he sure does want followers. Amen. So this morning, as we begin to identify the fan, go ahead, look at your name and say, that ain't me. Now, that may be a confession of faith right now, because you may come to find out that is you. And if it is, smile. If it starts to say, man, that, that kind of sounds like me. Good news is I'm telling you how to get out. Yeah. Amen. I'm going to tell you how to get out. So just rejoicing, say, well, okay. I thought that was following, but I am wrong. So I will change. Amen. Hey, I will change. That's what this is about, getting us to the next place because you want to be a follower. Say, I will, I will. be a follower. Hallelujah. So the first passage of Scripture is here in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23 to 25. I'm going to read out of the message translation. It says it this way. Again, we're dealing with the fan. All right, say, I'm not a fan. It says, from there he, that's Jesus, went over, went all over Galilee. He used synagogues for meeting places and taught people the truth of God. Well, what truth did he preach? God's kingdom was his theme that beginning right now, say right now. That beginning right now, say right now. They were under God's government. Woo, glory to God. A good government. He also healed people of all their diseases and of the bad effects of their bad lives. Word got around the entire Roman providence of Syria. People brought anybody with ailments, whether mental, emotional, or physical. Hallelujah. Man, whether you got a mental problem, an emotional problem, or a physical problem, God will heal you. When you get on Team Jesus, he's got the best doctor ever, the best physician. Paid in full by the blood, by stripes, right? Woo, by stripes. <laughs> by stripes, you're healed, right? Jesus healed them one and and how many? 
healed them all. The only people Jesus wouldn't heal is the ones that say, I don't want you healing. That's the only ones. He healed them all. More and more people say more and more. More and more people came. The momentum gathering. Momentum gathering. Besides those from Galilee, crowds, say crowds, came from the 10 towns across the lake. Others up from Jerusalem and Judea, still others from across the Jordan. We also see in Matthew chapter 7, verses 28 and 29, which is the last two verses of the chapter, and then moving over into uh, the verse, first chapter of chapter 8, first verse of chapter 8, again, the message Bible reads this way. When Jesus concluded his message, the crowds burst into applause. What did they do? They burst into applause. Notice, in these two accounts, crowds show up. Crowds. One translation says multitudes. It could be like a stadium filled of people. Yeah. Amen. And when Jesus concluded his address, the crowds burst into applause. I'm telling you right now, I wasn't there personally, but I went over to Brian Atkins uh, when we were starting the outreach, and I called my phone was about to die, and I'd given it to my wife, and I said, where's the game at? Because uh, Pastor Roddy and I, he's LSU, and I was Florida, and we were kind of watching it. And so the last score was LSU 19, Florida 14. And so it's a fourth quarter, and I'm like, where are we at? And I look at it, and he pulls it up on the ESPN app, and it says 19 to 20. And I'm like, whoa, glory to God. How much time's left? He said, it looks like it's 154. I said, well, scroll down, man. Let's get an update. Maybe they've gone. I mean, you know, where's this thing? Let it do an update. The minute he scrolled down, updated, it says 19 to 27. I'm like, glory to God, what's happened? Right? I mean, I'm not even there, but I'm excited. I'm thinking, it's in the bag. I'm wanting it. But I want that. It's not done till it's over. So we was around, and he was going to show Pastor Ryan. I'm like, don't show him. He's fixing to preach. Don't show him. I want anything to hurt the anointing, right? Don't show him. Can't have him preaching good news depressed. Just get saved. My team lost. No, no. So, so I go back over, you know, about five minutes later, because, you know, a minute, 30 seconds in a football game could be 30 minutes, right? I mean, it could take forever. I mean, it happened yesterday at the homecoming. It was like some long games. So anyway, we were, I, I went back and he said, yep, that's the final. Then I could really hold on to my rejoicing. Yes, but I don't even know what took place. Well, I can tell you this, that when it was 19 to 20, and Florida's up by one point, and LSU has the ball ready to start driving down. And there's been plenty of teams that have driven down in less than two minutes and win the game. Plenty. Just ask Oklahoma what Texas did. That takes place. So you understand, you're not like in the stands going, we got. No, you're like on your ends of your seats, man, especially when you want your team to win. One point, I mean, that's a field goal. And you're thinking, why they only have 20? Well, because they obviously went for two and didn't get it, I mean, I could just do the math on that one because they had 14, went to 20. That means you missed the extra point. Why'd you miss it? Because they went for two because they wanted 22 in case LSU went down and kicked the field goal. Then it'd be a tie game. I know how this works. <laughs> Pastor Brandon, on the other hand, does not because he doesn't watch it as much as I do. All right? And just between you, up till last night, Kentucky was undefeated. But Pastor Brandon, for the first time in his life, watched a Kentucky game. <laughs> And they lost. Please don't tell the team. Okay? Because we don't want them to think it's his. Amen. But when they play Georgia, I need you to watch again. All right? 
I'm just saying, watch the whole game. <laughs> when they play Georgia, just watch it again. Because you're playing into my narrative right now. Just need you to lose that game. We went out, we're in. All right? That's how it is. But that means they lose to two powerhouses, not sissy teams, so that makes our loss to them more credible. Okay, anyway. So, <laughs> y'all know what I'm talking about. Them Gator fans out there, you know what I'm talking about right now. All right. Anyway, chomp, chomp. There you go. Oh, that's a, that's a woman of God right there. There's a woman of God in y'all's row right there. <laughs> go Tigers. What was that? <laughs> is that? Is that Tony the Tiger from the Frosted Flakes uh, thing that you're doing right now? <laughs> no, he didn't. That's good. No, I'm kidding. Hey, this is what a love relationship looks like right here. You say, man, you're being hard on them. Do you, man, you talk smack, you can take smack. That's how it works. So again, if you dish it, you better take it. And I do. I'll call up and say, man, great game. You did awesome. You know, I appreciate you. Like I told Pastor Brand, did I not? I'm like, hey, guys, y'all won. You know how I feel for the last 31 years. That's what I told him. You know how I've been feeling for the last 30. You have 358 days left on your bragging rights. Well, it's less than that now. Maybe 343 days left on your bragging rights because we're going to win next year. That's how you move. You may be lost, but that's okay. We'll be, get up and we'll win. All right. And we'll start the next 30-something years of domination. That's how I believe. Because Christ put that in me. A victory mentality. Okay. So we see here this crowd, man, they burst. So you know when that pick six happened with Florida, what do you think they did at, at the swamp? I mean, it was pandemonium. It's like seal the deal. It's like the nail in the coffin. It's like the knife in the back. My, it's like, woo, we got this game is what, and they went into a triumphant applause and a, 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 this, wow, woo, my gosh, man, they were excited. Well, how should you be when we begin to worship the king of glory? I mean, what should you do? When it looked like you weren't going to win, but Christ got a pick six on your life and ran that thing all the way in. Victory was yours. My gosh. How could you not stand in triumphant joy and shout and applaud the king of glory? Amen. Every time I come in, I think, my gosh, man, I got to shout and scream. I got to lift the voice of triumph. Because, man, it looked, let me tell you how awesome Jesus is. Jesus is so bold and crazy. He's so confident in his ability to get victory that if you go through a trial and tribulation, that means you are fourth quarter, one second left in the game. You're on your own half-yard line. Your whole team is inside their own end zone, and your center has got on the half mark, and it's fourth down. And 99 and a half. Jesus is go up and get in the huddle. And he says, I got this. Just give me the ball. And he'll hike the ball. And Jesus will run through that thing. And that, that whole enemy will go. And he'll take victory. Slap out of death's mouth. My gosh. He'll pull that thing in. He's that good. He's that powerful. He's not sweating one bit anymore. 
He's got the victory. So from these two passages of scripture, let's go on. It says they had never heard this teaching like this. It was apparent that they, that he was living every, he was saying quite a contrast to their religious teachers. This was the best teaching they ever heard. Jesus came down the mountain with the cheers of the crowd still ringing in their ears. Now you got to understand there's some things we learn about a fan from this because you understand fans will gather in great numbers to see the spectacular. Crowds will gather in great numbers to see the spectacular. This is what fans will do. They'll, they'll gather, man. Fans will show up and say, man, show me something spectacular. I want to see something great. I want to see a great win. I want to see a great thing. And, and, and it happens in the church. Come, I want, I want to come see a miracle. Yeah. I want to come see something spectacular. And they'll gather around for that. But just because a fan is in attendance does not mean he is following. Just because they're in the crowd don't mean they're a follower. They may have just showed up just to watch. In fact, fans are spectators, not participators. They're great at that. They like to just show up and sit back and watch. You know, they're enthusiastic because some of the enthusiasm of a fanatic beside them will wear off. Woo, yeah. And they do it, you know, for the first quarter. Yeah, yeah. And then second quarter says, well, I've screamed enough. I'll just sit here. Right? Then halftime comes. Right? But fans think, man, now I can't go at halftime to get my snack because there'll be a crowd of people there, so I'm going to have to leave early. I'll leave the game at a more convenient time so I can go get my snack. <laughs> then I can come back when everybody else leaves because they're connected. I'm really not anyway. Uh, I'm just here. Yeah. Enjoying the show. Yeah, <laughs> By the time the third quarter comes around, they're like, hmm. Well, this is going to conclude soon enough, so I need to start thinking of my exit strategy. Because fans are spectators, not participators. Are you with me? See, in Luke chapter 17, verses 12 to 17, it says this, As he entered the village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him, and they raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master. What they call him? Master. What? Have mercy on us. In essence, we are obedient to you. When they saw him, when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourself to the priest. And as they were going, they were cleansed. How many were cleansed? Every one of them are cleansed, we're gonna see. It says this: it says, No one, not now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed. Now one of them when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. With what? A loud voice. And fell at, on his face at his feet, giving thanks to God when he was a Samaritan. Now look what Jesus says in the 17th verse. Jesus says, then Jesus answered and said, were, were there not 10 cleansed? So Jesus knows nine of these people got what this guy got. But where are they? Because fans like to show up and get and go. Fans like to show up and get an answer to their problem and go. And we don't come back until another problem shows up. Because they know who can help them. But they won't stay connected to him once they're clean. Once the problem's been taken care of, once the issue, they don't come back and glorify. They're like, thank you for mine. I'm going on about my business. 
In Luke chapter 11, 29 to 32, it says this, as the crowds were increasing, he began to say, this generation is a wicked generation. Now, why would he say that? He said, it seeks for a sign. So here's Jesus. This is the, the great, um, 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 so, uh, irony, I would say, of his, of his ministry, that he says, miracle signs and wonders follow the preaching of the word, yet... If all you do is come see the miracle signs and the wonder, you're evil. So he's, things are performing that he's trying to not get people to focus on. Because he don't want them to focus on the miraculous as much as he wants to focus on the content. On the one who does the miraculous. On the word that comes from the one who does the miraculous. He says, man, you're a wicked generation. You seek a sign, and yet no sign will be given to you but the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah, for just as Jonah came into, uh, became a sign to the Ninevites, so will the Son of God be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise up with the men of this generation um, at the judgment and condemn them because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Behold, something greater than Solomon is here. They don't want to hear what Jesus says. They just want what Jesus can give. Just get me out of hell. Just fix my marriage. Just give me a better job. Just heal my body. Just take away my depression. And then when things go because of his mercy, because he's trying to demonstrate his love to you, heal my child. And when he extends his mercy and it happens, then we don't show back up. Come on, huh? Come on just shout amen. Because obviously this ain't half the people in the room. This probably ain't even 75%. Surely I got a bunch of followers in here, yeah. right? And you're like, thank God that ain't me. And when you know it ain't you, you ought to shout and say amen. amen. Be excited it ain't you. Now, if it is you, you can say oh me underneath and go oh me. You know, but you know you can change now. Yeah. Amen. You're going to do what's necessary to go to the next level. Yeah. Amen. Say, that ain't going to be me anymore. Yeah. I'm going to be sold out to Jesus. Yeah. I'm not a fan of Jesus. I'm not a fan. Yeah. I'm a follower. Yeah. Say, I'm a follower. I'm a follower. Hallelujah. So then he goes on and says, the men of Nineveh will stand up to this generation at judgment and condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. So what's he saying? He said, man, when the word comes, you ought to change your thinking and begin to live according to that word, not live just looking for the miraculous. Man, fans will go to conference after conference. They'll hop from one church to the next looking for something. You know, I'm just looking, uh, you know, God, and, and I'm just seeking the Lord what church he want me to be in. And so they pop from one church to the next. Oh, there's a revival at this church. Oh, they're having so-and-so win. Oh, they're having this healing revival there. Oh, they're having this. Oh, man, I went over to this church here. Oh, I'm preaching. You know, they tell you about all their hop jobs. Okay, let's go on. <laughs> the, fans only, uh, the fans' only motive is to be entertained to feel better. We come in feeling bad, I want to feel better. So, you know, they're looking for the itching ear ministry where the pastor, you're awesome, you're great, you're this, you're that, and can't ever say, hey, that ain't right. The Bible says the Lord wrote in his word that the Bible is for instruction, for correction, for reproof. 
Instruction in righteousness. So there's this, you know, you can do it. You're awesome. There's that whole cheerleader side. Woo, woo. That's what we've seen at West Odyssey. Rah, rah, re. Kick him in the knee. Right? You know, let's go. Uh, defense, you know, all those little cheers they do, man. And I, you know, it doesn't matter what's going on behind there. Just try. We're awesome. We're number one. We're the best. And they're getting beat down. But hey, we're great. They're the cheerleaders, man. They're like, come on, come on. Let's say if you like the team, let's stomp, let's do this, let's whatever. And you're supposed to give a reply, but unfortunately, those little girls are out there with all their pom poms, and everybody's like, yeah. right? But they're the cheerleaders, right? But not only do teams need the, the cheerleaders to cheer them on and the fans to cheer them on, but then they also need to coach. And the coach is going to have to give some instruction. And if you hadn't been around Coach Plummer, then, man, you ain't been around Coach yet. Because Coach Plummer, man, he does the 6U. And Coach Plummer will slap, let him know. He'll do the 6U. He goes, now, boys, y'all better get over here right now. Get over here right now. We ain't in a daycare right now. We ain't in a daycare right now. We got to get something out here. Let us do something. That's what he'll do. Oh, my gosh. He'll sit down like this. He now listen. You're on my time right now. This is my time. Now we're going to get out and hit somebody. He hit somebody right now. I don't know what you're doing. We ain't playing. You ain't no baby. Your mama ain't out here. Your mama ain't out here right now. Now you need to get out there and hit somebody. Now do your job. Get out there and do something. You letting them come through. You letting them come through. What you doing right now? You know, I ain't never seen a mom say, you ain't talking to my boy like that. I ain't seen one mama jump the fence and say, who you talking to my six-year-old child like that? I mean, we got veins popping out the neck. I mean, we got spits flying so much, they get a bath every time they come to the sideline. I mean, we like, you better do this thing and send that kid out. they come in and pop him on the top of the head with a helmet. Damn, get up, what are, you, what are you doing, boy? Get up here, you ain't playing no more. Get up here now. <laughs> get up here, boy, right now, you get a game. <laughs> Am I telling the truth? Yeah. I ain't seen one mama. Oh, but I've seen people, don't talk to my child like that, pastor. Don't preach that word, pastor. Don't say that, pastor. Oh, I'm leaving the church, pastor. You raise your voice, pastor. I just don't do with loud voices. You better keep your kids out of, out of athletics because your coach is going to chew your child up, spit them out on the other side, then say, now you did good. Right? I mean, that's what I do. I'm like, man, don't live in sin like that. Don't live like that. Don't let the devil beat you down. Don't you go that way. Man, I'm only trying to tell you that on the backside, you got to block that enemy because he's coming in every time. You can't stand there with your hands in your pocket and say, but coach, why is the devil beating on me? Man, you got to get that word. You got to get that word. You got to get that word. You got to stand in faith. This ain't baby time. This is time to grow up in the things of God. Hallelujah. Are you with me? No, man, you got to stand. I thank God for a voice like that. I mean, tell the truth to those kids. You getting beat down right now because you ain't blocking. You ain't doing your assignment. 
Why is it so hard, Pastor? Because you ain't standing in faith. You ain't standing on the word. You ain't believing God. You talking about all your problems. You come to me and tell me how everything's so bad all the time. I want to know what's the word say. Give me the word in your circumstance. And you want to go find another team. Oh, they ain't going to start me. I'm going to unenroll and go to another one. Oh, okay. There's no I in team. God places you in the body where it pleases you. Pleases him. Sorry. Yeah, pleases him. And you can get pleased with it when you get in his assignment. You don't get to pick it. He picks it. All right. So fans, only motive is to be entertained to feel better. Fans want to be around the action, but not, never want to fully participate in action. Fans want bragging rights without responsibility or sacrifice. So right now on ESPN, everybody's like cutting down Nick Saban. I mean, Sikosh is not happy to win all kinds of championships. He going to go pick on the student body? They're beating a the team so bad, Louisiana Tech, that all of a sudden they're looking up in the stands and say, where's the student body at? This is what they're saying. But the reality is he's thinking to himself, I got a group of people that wake up early, push iron, dedicate their lives to a specific diet, in curfew, sweating, doing all this stuff for the same university you're connected with. And you don't want to show up. You only want to show up when you think there's a challenge and there's no challenge. I mean, it's almost like, he's like, what do you want me to do? Lose for you? Because if I lose, then you're going to act like I did something wrong. So I run it up, and what do you do? Don't show up. You want me to keep it close? I thank God he doesn't run by the fans, but he's trying to let them know, you got a part to play here. Amen. Well, I don't need to be in church today, Pastor. He's up praying, fasting, studying. His leadership teams taking extra time, meeting with them day in and day out, every week, meeting with his ministry coordinators. Well, they can take care of the parking lot. You don't know. You don't know that somebody besides you need to show up because they may be going through something. You need a, someone beside you to say, come on, just all right. We're going to make it. You're going to overcome. You're going to do this. Do your part. You're all a part of team. The fans, man, they just want the bragging rights. Oh, that was our church. Well, I ain't seen you in a while. I mean, what coach plays a running back that never comes to practice? Now, coach, I'm good. Five-star recruit. So this is what's going to happen. I'm going to show up at 10 because I like to sleep in. I'll look over your stuff, you know. But if there's some plays I don't like, we ain't doing. Because I personally don't like getting hit. And if I do get hit, it's your stupid offensive line. That's it. I'm not even going to the practices. You'll see me on game time. <laughs> but they want the championship ring, but not come to practice. Even the ones that don't start come to practice. John chapter 6, 
Y'all with me? Let's shut this thing down. John chapter 6, 6 to 67. Say, I'm not a fan. Thank you. You're not a fan. You're not a fan. It's okay. You're not a fan. You're a follower. I mean, your life is, is beyond fan status. You're not, I'm fan Jesus. No, no, no. You're not a fan of Jesus. Follower. You're way more committed to this deal. Amen. You're willing to, to put in everything. You're ready to discipline yourself. Just like Paul said, man, I don't run in such a way that's like without aim, man. I discipline my body. I discipline myself. I put myself to win. And that's what you are. You're winners. Yeah. I said you're winners. Yeah. John chapter 6, verse 60 to 67 said, therefore many disciples uh, of his, or therefore many of his disciples, many of whose disciples? His disciples. When they heard this said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? <laughs> Hallelujah. My coach offended me many times. But I wanted to be on the team. Many times. That's the worst route I've ever seen in my life. Can't you run any faster than that? Man, you just got your head knocked off, didn't you? Maybe you'll pay attention this time. Did that hurt? It's going to hurt worse. <laughs> Where's compassion? <laughs> Where's the love of the Father? <laughs> right? <laughs> right? <laughs> Y'all did terrible in practice today, so we're going to do suicides. You're just going to run. We're going to do 10, 40-yard dash. Ready to go. Beep, beep, beep. Beep. All the while, you're going, I hate you. Every step of the way, you're thinking that you hate you. I hate you right now. I hate you. I don't have lungs. I'm throwing up. I hate you right now. But then in the fourth quarter, when everybody else is gassed on the other team and you still got energy, you're like, man, I love my coach. He's awesome. Back then, I didn't think he knew what he was talking about. But I've been conditioned now, and I can go the distance, and I can finish the course. Thank God for my coach. Thank God. I just thought he was mean. But he saw something in me greater than myself and pulled it out. My, my, my. <laughs> okay, does this offend you? What then if I should see the Son of Man appear where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, therefore, I say to you that no one can come to me unless it's granted to him by the Father. From that time, many, say many, of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. They were crowds applauding him at one time. And now the fan base has left the building. Because that's what fans will do. All of a sudden, Jesus is going to say, now let's talk about this right here. You talking to me now? I mean, I've been to your church all this time. I've been worshiping you. I've been called singing your praises. I've been telling people about you, and you're going to talk to me about that? You're going to talk to me about that? Oh, no, you didn't. You're not going to have this conversation with me because that's mine. I keep that because you obviously don't know what they did to me. You don't know how they treated me. I am who I am today because of that. <laughs> and she's like, my blood covered that. And we can't go no further with you that way. 
because I don't know why you're blowing up all the time, but I can get rid of that. I don't know why your unforgiveness is, is moving like that. I can take care of that. I don't know why you're acting depressed and like Eeyore all the time and like you're a victim when I made you victorious. I mean, I worshiped you, but when problems come, I'm just real, God. Yeah, you're real carnal. And I'm trying to change your confession to get you real victorious and get you really in faith and quit calling those things that be as they are and start calling those things that be not as though they were so you can have what I say instead of keeping having what you're saying. Does this offend you? That's what Jesus is saying. Because you just touched something. I mean, this is what happened with a rich man. He said, gee, master, teach, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said, son, please. He said, just keep the law, man. Now, he's saying that kind of sarcastically just to let you know. He said, I've done that because that's why Jesus knew. This is what he's going to come back at me. Just keep the law. He said, I've done it. I've baptized youth. He said, yeah, 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 okay. Well, then do this. Because in essence, what he's saying, if you kept the law because I said it, because you obey me because it was my word, I'm going to give you another one. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor. But what he did is he exposed his motive. In essence, you kept the law, kept the law under your conditions. That's a fanatic. We'll get to them next week. And when he heard that, it was like... Are you with me? I got 5% left on my battery. Let's preach. All right. So Jesus goes on and says this. Listen. Then Jesus said to his 12, notice, he's got people leaving him left and right. And you think, oh my. hey, come back, guys. We were having church. It was such a great time. I didn't mean it. I, you know what? Let me write down on my Facebook. I apologize what I preached on Sunday. I'm so sorry that I offended you. Please, you know, I, I retracted. I pulled down my post. Oh, I'm preaching. God, I'm preaching. Jesus didn't back down from what he said. He didn't say, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I'm only giving you spirit and life. I'm only trying to raise you up to the next level and you're choosing something else. I'm not going to pull this post off. I'll post it again and I'll post it for eternity. In fact, I'm going to post that you left. And he did. He just didn't give us the names. And many of my disciples, you know who you are. And so do I. Left me. So I turned to the 12 that everybody knows. You going to leave too? Because I'll have church without you. Because I'm not building a bunch of losers. I'm building victory people, triumphant people, people that overcome, people that I put my spirit on the inside of them. That's what I'm building. And if you're going to be a follower, you got to do exactly what I say when I say it at the time I say it, because then I'll unleash power in your presence and on your community. So fans rather stay at home in comfort of their own homes than have to be in the crowd. If they do attend, leaving before the fourth quarter is preferable. Preferable. This allows them to get out of the parking lot before everyone else. Staying for the end is never desirable no matter how close the game. In fact, it's usually met with opposition. I can't believe they let them come back like this and I gotta stay and watch this. <sighs> you know what the traffic's gonna be like now? Oh, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I have not seen in a close game, I, I don't think anyone left the Oklahoma-Texas game. 
oh, well, I'm going. And they didn't say, hey, wait, wait, wait. This game's too long. This game has gone entirely too long. I will not come to another game. I'm preaching now. Pastor went too long. Pastor's preaching too long. Man, what time? Does he know what time? It's overtime. It's overtime. My gosh, we got to get a victory today. We got to get a victory today. Some of you, man, you still, the enemy is still scoring on you, but I'm trying to take ground. We're trying to get another touchdown. We're trying to get it even. So I get you into victory. Sometimes it takes till 115 to do it. But it's not 115 now. We're all right. Fans want glory without commitment. And my last one is this. Matthew 26, 55 says it this way. Since at the end, at that time, Jesus said to the crowds, the ones that used to follow him and used to go, whoa, Jesus, we've never heard such teaching. Oh, this guy is amazing. Look at all the people he's healing. Man, you got to come and see this guy. He's so amazing. I mean, he's healing the sick. He's raising the dead. He's curing the lepers. He's casting out demons. This guy is off the chain. My gosh, man, the religious people are in an uproar. I've never heard anybody talk. Come on, let's go see him. Let's go see him. Let's go see him. Same crowds. At that time, Jesus said to the crowds, have you come out with me, come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as you were, as you would against a robber? Every day I used to sit in the temple teaching and you did not seize me. See, the fans' enthusiasm is directly proportionate to their feelings. Come to church because you feel good. But when you don't feel good, you don't come. That's what fans do. I'm tired. Hey, I had a thought this morning. Didn't y'all have a thought this morning? I mean, I cast it down. I mean, I woke up at like five something yesterday to pray in the spirit for the event. Then was there all day. Yeah. But it was like, yeah, then till nine o'clock, man. You're thinking, bro, these games went long, man. We went a little bit longer than we were anticipating, you know. And I'm like, Kobe, man, I'm sorry, man. We, but we almost done. It's like, it's okay, no problem. And you're like, well, you know, it is. And it was a blessing. And show up at the house, 930, almost 10 o'clock, only to wake up again at five to pray in the spirit for this service. Yeah. When I got up this morning, I was thinking, man, I got to go to service. Got two services to do. Then I'll probably go out to lunch with Pastor Roddy. And then from there, I got to run back to the house, get some clothes because I got to do class early at 430. And then from there, I'm going up to Jacksonville because my mom's sister died. And I got to go to a viewing, which means then I'm probably won't get home till 1030. I sure would like to take Monday off, but I can't because I got to actually work on a house and knock out a few things there for Monday and Tuesday so I can get out there in Valdosta on Wednesday so I can preach the gospel of the kingdom in Valdosta Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Then I can show back up on Saturday. Maybe I'll take off then, but my life's not my own because I'm not a fan. I'm a follower. See, that's what we call fair weather fans. As long as the team's winning, we love them. Yeah. But when they lose, we put on different shirts. <laughs> I won't say nothing else. I don't have to say anything else. So, <laughs> if the object of their admiration fails to perform as they desire, the fan will turn on them. And this is what fans do Believers who call on the name of the Lord, then they pray unscriptural prayers and want God to bless them and their idea of how to do it. But then God can't actually answer their prayer because that's not his word. Yeah. 
Then they get disappointed with God because they think, well, you're God. You can do anything. He can do anything that's in line with his word. He can't just do anything. That's absurd. I can't have another wife. Ah, give me five or six. Let me grab somebody else's. Lord, I'm believing God for another man's wife. You can't do that. That's unscriptural. God can do all things. No, he can't. He can do everything in line with his word. Lord, I hate him. Kill him for me. Take him out of the planet. God's not murdering for you. He's not doing that. Kill my wife. Kill my wife so I can marry another one. He's not doing that. Think how absurd that is when you take that thought. Oh, I'm so disappointed. I asked God to do, give me that job. Maybe God didn't want you there. Maybe he knew you would fall out of fellowship with him because the wrong people are around. And it ain't about the money. It ain't about the position. It ain't about the title. But now you're upset. Well, he didn't give it to me, so I ain't following him. Well, you were a fan of the whole while. The last one is this, that which the fan once celebrated in love becomes despised and hated. There's many people I know that have actually been in this congregation. I'm sure Pastor Roddy can account for his own oversight in Niceville. They came in, they came down, prayed for him, and they were like, woo, and they were enthusiastic. But then trouble came, an issue, an offense, and now they're not there anymore because they were fans of Jesus. They came to become a fan of Jesus. I want the benefits of not going to hell, but I really want to just live life like I want to. And they fell away. Because God's not looking for fans, he's looking for followers. Go ahead, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not a fan. I'm a follower. If you're here today and Jesus Christ is not the Lord of your life, you're nothing. And he wants you in the house. He wants to make you something greater than you can ever imagine yourself, but you can't do it on your own. It requires his seed to impact you. It requires him to take up residence inside you. It requires you to become a new creature in Christ so the Holy Ghost can come and bear witness with your spirit. You're a child of God, and then he's going to start teaching you things on how to follow Jesus. So if you're here today and you've never confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord, my goodness, come into the kingdom today. It's the best life to be a follower of Jesus. There's no foe. There's no challenge. There's no circumstance. There's no issues of life that my king has not conquered, and he'll conquer it through me. And if you'll follow him like I'm following him, you'll win. So if you're here today and say, I want Jesus, would you lift your hand, anyone at all? Say, I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Anyone at all, say me. I need that. Then stand to your feet so I can see who you are. Stand to your feet. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes.